last several weeks, we've been in a series that we've entitled Peace on Earth, Goodwill Towards Men. God wants us to be filled full of peace. He came as the light to drive out the darkness so that we wouldn't be filled with fear, but rather we would be filled with peace. It is a significant fact that at the very first Christmas, four times the phrase, do not be afraid, was used. The angel said it to Mary, she's, uh, he said it to Joseph, he said it to the shepherds, and he said it to Zechariah. Now today when we look at the Christmas or read the Christmas story and we see the nativity scene, we're not so afraid. I mean, it's kind of quantified, right? But the good news back then scared the living death out of them. Mary was afraid. Joseph was afraid. Herod was afraid. The shepherds were afraid. Zachariah was afraid. And we know what that emotion is like, do we not? Though we experience peace, we light candles, we, we know that feeling somewhat, but we know the opposite of that, don't we? Maybe this last year, 2016, was a life for you filled with fear and worry and stress and tension. Maybe that was true because it was a political year. I don't know. Or maybe it was because of some career thing or some relational thing. For, for millions of people, Christmas is not a merry Christmas. Rather, it is a season of fearfulness. But the message at the very first Christmas, because God wanted us filled with peace, was don't be afraid. And God said it four different times. I don't want you to be afraid. Rather, I want you to be filled with peace. And so what I want to do is I want to take a look at this Christmas story and how you and I can defeat fear in our life so that we can be filled with peace. You see, what we see in the very first Christmas story are five common fears that we have. And the first one we see is in the character or the person of Mary. And she had to face the fear of inadequacy. You, you know the story. An angel came to her and announced, hey, the son of God is coming. And guess what? He's going to come as a baby and you get to be the mother. Now, there are all kinds of reasons why Mary faced the fear of inadequacy. She was a teenager. She, she was unmarried. She was a virgin. How do you explain that to Joseph? How do you explain that to your mom, to your friends? How does she travel on the last day of her pregnancy to Bethlehem? Kids, that's a word. You can circle that. How does she deliver a baby without a doctor? without a mom, without her sisters, without a midwife. Here's one that we as parents would like to experience. How does she raise a perfect child? Folks, all these things and more caused Mary to be faced with the fear of inadequacy. Take a look at, at Luke chapter 1, verse 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. So the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for God has decided to bless and use you. You will have a son and you are to name him Jesus and he will be the son of God and his kingdom will never end. Then Mary asked, 
but how can this be? A sense of inadequacy. Now, Joseph faced a different fear. He faced the fear of disapproval. Now, imagine this. If your fiance comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. I know that we haven't had a physical relationship and I haven't had a physical relationship with anybody else, but I'm carrying a baby. It's going to be a boy and it's going to be the son of God. Folks, Jesus is very, or not Jesus, Joseph, so Joseph's first reaction was one of unbelief. And so what he was going to do was quietly and calmly call off the wedding because of the fear of disapproval. Take a look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, this is how Jesus Christ was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, being a good and righteous man, decided to break off the engagement quietly so it would not disgrace Mary publicly. But after he had considered doing this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because the child in her is from God's Holy Spirit. And just like Mary, the angel told Joseph, don't be afraid. I'd like to ask you a question. Whose disapproval are you afraid of? Santa Claus? Let me ask it this way. Whose approval are you trying to win? You see, the Bible's pretty clear. It says that the fear of man is a trap. When you and I get more concerned over what people think of us, other, rather than doing what God has called us to do, we can miss out on God's best. Imagine if, if Joseph would have caved into the fear of disapproval. He would have missed being the stepdad of the Son of God. Then there's the shepherds. The shepherds faced the fear of a sudden change. And here is the picture, okay? The shepherds are enjoying a quiet, calm, restful evening under the starry skies of Israel. They just had their honey-baked ham. They are playing bunko. And then all of a sudden, Bam, the sky lights up and the angels start singing loud. Folks, it scared the robes right off them. Take a look at Luke chapter two, eight through 10. And that night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory flashed and surrounded them. They were terribly frightened. So the angel said to them, do not be afraid. How do you like it when someone sneaks up on you and kind of startles you? Let me put it like this. Do you like it when someone comes in and changes your plans? You were expected to go over in grandma and grandma's house, but guess what? Now they're coming to your house. Folks, I've learned this. I've walked with God for 45 years. And when God enters into your life, as someone as big as God, I can guarantee you this, that he will rearrange the chairs on the observation deck. 
This is what happened to the shepherds, okay? And yet God didn't want them to be afraid. He, he said, don't be afraid. Now there's another character in the Christmas story that we oftentimes don't think about. And, and, and his name is Herod. And his fear was the fear of losing control. You see, he was the king of the Jews. To be honest, he wasn't a Jew at all, okay? He'd just been appointed to be the king of the Jews, okay? And when he heard from the Magi that a baby was born to be the king of the Jews, it freaked him out. He did not want to be dethroned. And so what he did is that he sent out a decree that all two-year-old boys and younger in Bethlehem were to be murdered. Wow. He didn't want Jesus to rule. Take a look at this in Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the time that Herod was the king of the Jews. Then some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and started asking, where is the child born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this news, he was deeply frightened and disturbed, and so was everyone else in Jerusalem. You see, we started our service off kind of with a bang, something a little different, something with a little pace, because when light comes in, Bam, it's out there. But then we settled it down to peace. And we like singing these songs at this time of year, don't we? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Except for in Jerusalem that day. Because King Herod was a lunatic. He had killed his mother, murdered his mother. He had murdered his wife, several wives. He had murdered some of his sons. He had murdered other dignitaries that were around him because he felt threatened by them and he didn't want to lose his rule. And so Jerusalem, <laughs> they're nervous, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, he's done this to his relatives and his family. What might he do to us? Now, finally, the last character is Zechariah. He is an old priest, and he has been serving in the temple at Jerusalem. He is, his wife is Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. And, Mary, or, and Elizabeth and Zechariah had prayed for years and years and years that they would have a baby, and they never had one. And so as a result, Zechariah had kind of given up hope. And the fear that Zechariah had was the fear of disappointment. And his story goes like this. One day he is in the temple, okay? And he's doing his thing as a priest. And an angel shows up and says, Zechariah, by the way, God's been hearing your prayers, and, and now's the time you're going to have one. But he didn't believe it. He said, you know what? I don't want to trust anymore. I don't want to hope anymore. I don't want to believe anymore. I've been so disappointed in life. I just don't want to believe it. Some of us know exactly what that's like, don't we? Take a look at Luke chapter 1, 11 through 13. And while, while, while serving in the temple, an angel appeared to Zechariah. 
When he saw the angel, he was confused and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. And again, just like the others, he told them, don't be afraid. Are you getting the point that God doesn't want you to be afraid? That he came as light to drive away the darkness so that we would be filled with peace. The question I have for us as we wrap up 2016 is which of these fears have you been wrestling with this past year? The fear of inadequacy? You know what, I just don't know if I have what it takes to face what I know is coming this, this coming year. Or the fear of disapproval? Do you fear rejection so much so that you go along to get along and you know that you're missing God's best? How about the fear of sudden change? Do you hate change? Is this Christmas bothering you because it's different from the Christmas before and the Christmas before and the Christmas before? Can I just say this? 2017 is going to be a different year than 2016. How about the fear of losing control? I, you know what? I've got my plans, and I don't want anybody changing them. How about the fear of disappointment? Have you been hurt this past year? Maybe your heart is broken, and you've come to the conclusion, you know what? I'm never going to trust someone else again. That's it. I'm not going to give myself to anybody else. Which of these fears have you been wrestling with? You see, if, if you have any of these, can I just say this? You've chosen the right church on Christmas Eve. The question is, how do you get rid of them? Well, folks, you and I have to do what Mary and, and Joseph and the shepherds did. And I want to share with you from my heart to your heart, as I like to say, knee to knee, face to face over a cup of coffee at McDonald's. I want to share with you some things out of God's word, not my opinion, but God's word that you and I need to do, that I've experienced, that I've learned, that I hope you learn. And the first one is this, is that you got to surrender your life to God every day. You got to come to him and you got to say, you know what, God, right now I am filled with fear, but I want to be filled with peace. I'm going to give you my, 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 the good, the bad, and the ugly in my life. Folks, this is how Mary overcame her fear of inadequacy. Take a look at Luke chapter one, verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever God wants for my life. In essence, she's saying, I'm surrendering my life to you, God. I am the Lord's servant. You have created me for a purpose. And if this is what it is, guess what? I'm going to cooperate with it. Have you done that yet? You see, if you haven't, that's why you have tension. You're living with tension. You're living with a lack of peace. You've got anxiety in your life because God is going in one direction and you're going in the other and you feel it inside please understand this. God will never ask you to do something or allow something to come into your life that he doesn't give you the resources to handle. Why? Because God doesn't sponsor flops. 
31 years ago, I was pulling out of the driveway and my wife says, George, how many years have we been doing this? 31 years. I think back 31 years ago when a pastor called me up and said, hey, let's start a church in Dallas. All right, that is great. Let's do it. Then I had to talk to my wife. We lived in Missouri. My wife looked me in the eyes. George, we have three boys. Our kids just don't live that far. That's where we get our kind of support in different things. I'll pray about it. Today, you are here because Cheryl did not allow the fear, that fear, to overcome her. You see, God wants us to fulfill the very purposes that we have. The second thing is you and I gotta stop. We gotta stop listening to the negative voices. And let me make this practical for us. We gotta stop watching TV. We gotta stop listening to talk radio. We gotta filter the ideas that come into our brains, right? If we're gonna be filled with peace. What I'm saying is this, is you gotta stop feeding the fears that you may have. You see, there are negative voices around you everywhere you go that are saying, you know what, you're no good, you're not, you don't have enough money, you're ugly, you, you just don't have what it takes. Folks, there are all kinds of negative voices around us, and what we need is objective truth, don't we? And by the way, that objective truth isn't you. I hate to shock you. It's, it's not you, because we are our worst enemies, are we not? We are. We talk to ourselves more than, we, than anyone else talks to us. And we just reinforce, you're right, I am dumb, I am stupid, I am ugly, you're right, I don't have any money, I don't have anything going for me. What we need is objective truth that comes from God through faith. You see, when you and I have that objective truth, we can be filled even in the worst circumstances, with peace. That's what Peter describes, peace beyond all understanding. That means no matter what's going on around you, people are gonna look at you, man, you're really holding it together with something like this. I'd be falling apart, okay? We need objective truth because fear is contagious. It is a communicable disease. Can you imagine the, the, the naysayers that were around Mary? Oh, <laughs> You're having a baby and you didn't have a relationship with the man? Oh, that is a good one, okay? I hadn't heard that one before. Oh, and it's going to be the Son of God? The Savior of the world? Wow, I can't believe it. Folks, those things would have created all kinds of anxieties within Mary but she trusted in objective truth. Now, there's two other things I'd want to share with you if we had a knee-to-knee, face-to-face, heart-to-heart conversation about the fears that we struggle with. And the third one would simply be this. you got to fill your mind with music that praises God. Now, let me explain that one because most people don't get it. And that is this. Praise is the antidote of panic. Worship is the antidote 
of worry. When you and I are filled with fear, anxiety, that's scaring the robes off of us, it's because our attention is focused on us. How I feel, how competent I am, how I look, it's focused on you. And in order to be filled with peace, you gotta get your focus off of yourself and you've gotta get it on to God. When you do that, when you get your focus off yourself and onto God, do you understand what that's called? That's called worship. That's called praise. The closer you and I get to God, the more peace is filled up in our life. The further we get away from God, the more tension and anxiety and fear we're filled with. One of the best ways to get close to God is to worship him. It's to sing songs to him and to sing songs about him. It's to sing songs for him. Folks, when you and I sing, what happens is that it shrinks the size of our problems and it enlarges the size of our God. I would have you know I love to sing, and I am good at it. I get in my truck, I turn that radio up loud, and I sound just like Hillsong. I sound just like Chris Tomlin. I sound just like Toby Mac, okay? And when I'm singing a song for God that's not one of those Christian artists, I love to sing Frank Sinatra. I'm telling you, I sound just like him. And do you want to know what happens when I do that? Or you want to know what happens when I do that? It embarrasses Cheryl. <laughs> My wife, she's looking out the window and people are just smiling at me. George, she'll do Stop that. I don't want to. I want my God large. And he is large. So that my fears are small. Do you know what Mary did? When God came to her and gave her his assignment, here's my purpose for you. I want you to have the Son of God. She sat down and she wrote a song. Let's listen to it, or let's, let, let me read it. Then Mary sang, with all my heart, I praise the Lord. I rejoice in the God, my Savior, for he notices and cares for me, a simple servant girl. He has blessed me, and he is the mighty one who is holy. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. He meets all our needs, and he keeps his promises. In the Christmas story, Mary sang, Elizabeth sang, the angels sang, Zachariah sang, the shepherds sang. It is not an accident that Christmas is the most musical holiday that we celebrate. I mean, who is a singer, hasn't made a Christmas album. Everyone does. And so I would encourage you, when you are riddled with fear, that you sing a song to God and about God. And I'd encourage you to sing loud. Drown me out as we end this service, okay? And then finally, the fourth way that you defeat fear so as to be filled with peace is by basing your hope in the promises of God. Let me ask you a personal question. What are you putting your hope in this next year? A new president in the office? A new politician? 
political correctness, yourself, the economy, your, your insurance policies. This year was a tough year for me, physically. Started in February. Just didn't wrap this thing up till mid, mid-November with surgery. Now, I can tell you this. When I went in for surgery, I wasn't afraid of dying on the table, okay? I was afraid of living and not knowing what my medical bills were going to be. You know what I'm talking about? But to be honest with you, I wasn't afraid because my wife is a nurse. She is a case manager, and she knows insurance kind of backwards and forwards. And so when I went in for kind of the pre-admission stuff, took the blood, the heart stuff, you know, filled out the paperwork, honestly, folks, I wasn't shocked when they said, George, I mean, Mr. Pfizer, 100% of your bill is going to be paid for. A lot of people, when they go into a hospital or doctor, Like I said, they're not afraid of maybe dying on the table. They're afraid of living and not knowing what's going to come. And that's because they don't know what's in their insurance policy. The Bible is God's insurance policy. It is filled with all kinds of promises from God about your health, about your finances, about your family, about your marriage. Everything. But if you don't know what's in it, you're going to be riddled with fear. Notice what Elizabeth told Mary. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Will you circle the word blessed and tell your kids to put a circle or an X through that word on bingo? Elizabeth saying, you believe the promises of God. Folks, when you and I start doing that, guess what? We'll be blessed too. And as your pastor, I want you to be blessed in 2017. David said it like this. I think this is the clearest way. When I am afraid, I put my trust in God. And when I trust in God, I am not afraid. I praise him for what he has promised There are over 7,000 promises in God's word and all of them are yes in Jesus Christ. The most famous promise is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Kids said it during the scripture reading that they may have eternal life. One I like is in Hebrews 2, verse 15, where it says that Jesus came into the world so as to help us not to live as slaves to the Fear of the ultimate fear, the fear of death. I want to close by praying a prayer of peace. And if you have been riddled with fear in your life, I can't encourage you enough to pray this, to invite God into your journey because he came as light to drive out the darkness, to fill us with peace. And I want you to get out your communication card. And if you follow me in this prayer, will you just, I don't know, give me your name, your email address, and just write the letter P on it. Let's pray. Dear God, 
I don't want to be filled with fear, but rather I want to have faith. I want to be filled with peace and not panic. I want to worship God, and I don't want to worry. Right now, God, I admit that I'm filled with fear. The the fear of inadequacy. God, I don't know if I have what it takes to make whatever's heading my way this next year. God, I'm I'm filled with the fear of disapproval. God, I don't want to go along to get along. I want to please you this year. God, I am so riddled with fear that I'm seeking to control everything and everyone around me. And it's driving people away. But today, God, I believe in you, not myself. I believe in you. You are truth. I believe that you came, that you lived, that you you died, yes, but you resurrected. I want that power, God. And so right now, accept me into your family. As much as I know how and with mu- as much as I understand, God, right now, I want your plan for my life. I want your power. And I want your peace. I humbly ask this in your name. And if you prayed that prayer, would you just let me know? Just take that communication card, write on it, and the letter P, and circle it, and throw it in the offering basket as we go. Lord, I praise you today that you are our God of peace, that you don't want us to be filled with fear, but rather you want us to worship. You don't want us to worry. You want us to worship God. You don't want us to be panicked no matter what comes our way. You want us to be filled with peace. And so God, as we close out this year, before we start a new one, we want to worship you. We want to give you praise that you might be enlarged, that our fears might be diminished. So God, we give you this time. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.